Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May, how to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, episode 11. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, uncovering the secrets of effortless social media marketing for your business. And here is your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. Hello, and a really warm welcome to episode 11 of the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast. And I am your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode. I know I say it a lot, but I really, truly mean it. I have this website that I use to go on and look at what downloads I'm getting. And I get so excited every week when I go in and see how many people are listening. And also on my vision board, which is to the right of me in my office, I have a goal for how many people I want to listen to the podcast. And every single month, I write down how many downloads we've had. So I am really excited to think that you're out there listening, and I really, really do appreciate it. Obviously, if there is anybody that you know that you think might benefit from the podcast, then I would love it if you would share it with them. And of course, being a big social media person, I would also really appreciate it if you wanted to share it on social media as well. But anyway, that's enough of my pleas. Let's get on with today's podcast. So today I've decided to talk about something that I didn't think I would talk about, because if I'm honest, I was being a bit of a scaredy cat. I'm going to talk about GDPR. This subject is a really big subject at the moment because it's just about to come upon us. And I decided that I wasn't going to do a podcast about it because of the fact that it's a fairly heavy going subject. 
it's a subject that unless you're a solicitor, you probably shouldn't give advice on. So I'm going to start this podcast off with a caveat that I am not advising you what to do. I am merely giving you my take on it and the kind of things that I'm going to do to help me with GDPR. So like I said, this isn't a podcast where I'm saying do this, do that. I'm just merely being really open about how I'm going to be managing GDPR going forward and some of the tools and techniques and strategies that I might be using. And the main area that I'm going to talk about is the requalification area. Let me go back a little bit and first of all, just mention what GDPR is if you haven't heard of it. So basically, it's some legislation brought in by the European Union for businesses. And this legislation lays out how you should collect and hold data from people. So if you are collecting data for marketing reasons, i.e. you're going to email them, then this law basically now uh, has an impact on how you collect that and how you store it. One of the main parts of the legislation is that by May the 25th, the data that you currently hold in your business has to be compliant which means you have to have been able to prove that the people on that list, on your email list, have agreed for you to send them the emails that you are wanting to send them. So this means that lots of businesses are now going through a requalification phase where they are emailing out their entire list to ask them if they still want to stay on their list and receive future marketing communication from them. You may have already had a few of these emails sent to yourself where they are asking you if you want to still receive their emails and asking you to re-opt in or confirm that you wanted to be opt-in in the first place. So this is the area that I wanted to focus on. I just want to let you know how I'm going to manage this and how I'm going to use some of the smart systems I use in order to help me manage this process. So the first thing you need to do is you're going to need to send an email to that list. Now, you should be using something like MailChimp or Drip or Infusionsoft, some of these automated systems. And any emails you send should be going from a bulk system like that. You shouldn't be sending bulk emails, i.e., emails to lots of people from your Outlook or your Gmail. When you send your emails, one of the first considerations you need to take is how can you get their attention to open the email? That is always the trickiest bit. And open rates on emails are relatively low, anywhere between 20 and 30 percent as an average. You might get a bit more, you might get a bit less. But you've got to think, if you've got a database of a thousand people, let's say, only 20 to 30% of those people are actually going to open your email. So first task, think of an exciting subject line. The next thing I'm going to think about is how many emails am I actually going to send? Because as I just mentioned, open rates can be really low and therefore you don't want to reduce the number of people who can sign up by just sending one email. You want to give them as many opportunities as you can. I've decided that I'm going to send three emails to my list, maybe four, see how I feel. But those three emails are going to be sent over a time period between now and the 25th of May. The next thing I'm going to think about is the text inside the email. 
and I'm going to try and have a bit of fun with it or I'm going to try and be a bit different and I'm going to try and encourage people to sign up by reminding them why they might have signed up in the first place or what value I add to them. And my email list, for instance, when I do email out, I only ever email out content. I very rarely email out anything that isn't a notification about a blog post or some free content that I'm giving away or my latest podcast. So I'm going to put in that email Remember, this is why you want to receive emails from me. And like I said, I'm going to try and have a bit of fun with it and try and stand out from the crowd a little. The next part of this process is how are you actually going to record when someone says yes, they want to stay in and someone wants to actually be removed from your list. One of the ways in which I'm going to do this is through some of the systems that I use. So I apologise if I'm going to get a little bit techy. I hope I don't lose you, but I think it's really important for you to understand what's out there and the capability of some of these systems. I use a system called Drip, which is a email automation system, and it can do some really smart stuff. So the email that I'm going to be sending out in the email, when it tries to encourage you to stay on my list, it's going to ask you to do one of two things. It's either going to ask you to click yes, that you want to stay in or no, that you want to be removed. When you click either one of those buttons within the system, I have the ability to apply a tag, which is basically a bit of information about that customer or that prospect that's on my database. So what I'm gonna be able to do is when someone clicks yes, I'm going to be able to use the system to apply a tag to say that they want to stay on my list. But when they click that button, they're going to expect to go somewhere because they've clicked a button in an email. So I'm also going to set up some thank you pages. So I'm going to use lead pages. And if you have heard me talk about them before, you know I'm a huge fan of them. And the lead page or the thank you page is just going to say, yay, thank you so much for signing up to my emails. I'm super glad that you decided to stay or something like that. If they click the button no, then I will still apply the tag that says they don't want to be on my list anymore. And the thank you page that they will go through to will say, that's a shame, never mind, something like that. You have now been removed from the list. But at this point, I'm also going to give them the opportunity to change their mind. And I might try and be a bit funny and sort of say, did you do that by accident? I'm sure you don't want to miss out on all these brilliant things. And then have an opt-in on that page where they can put their name and their email and get put back in my list. Now, the way that this is done is lead pages is connected to drip. Lots of these systems talk to each other. So if you use lead pages to create landing pages, then that will also connect with Infusionsoft and ConvertKit and various other email systems, including MailChimp. And therefore, once they re-opt in, they will automatically go onto the system. So just to recap, I'm going to send an email with a yes and a no. And when they click those buttons, my email system is going to tag them with whether it's a yes or a no. And then when they go to the thank you pages, they will then on the no page get an opportunity to resubscribe in. I just want to explain why I'm not using an unsubscribe button, because it would be very easy for me just to say, click unsubscribe 
at the unsubscribe button at the bottom of the email. But the reason I'm not doing this is because one of the crucial things about having data in one of these third party systems is that they rely that your data is quality data. And if suddenly they start seeing loads of unsubscribes, then they're going to start doubting how quality your data is and they might reduce your deliverable rate, which basically means the number of people who receive your email. The other thing I really need to mention about this whole process is that you are very likely to lose an awful lot of your database. We just need to go back and think about the figures that I gave for open rates. So if you again have a thousand people on your list and you send out an email and you have a 20 to 30% open rate, then two to 300 people are going to open that email. So immediately there is a whole chunk of people who haven't even opened the email. Then if we think about click-through rates, i.e. people who actually take action once they've opened the email, then this can be anything as low as 2 to 4%. So you're talking a really small handful of people that might respond. And of course, some of them might respond no. My advice to you would be try not to worry about it. I know it seems easy for me to say because it's not my database or, you know, you might rely heavily on your database. However, think about the people who actually go to the effort to click your response and say, yes, I want to stay on your list. They are going to love you. They are going to be people that will be your customers, that will buy your product, will engage in your services or your content. And therefore, they're the people you want on your list. If you think about how you use your list currently, there is probably a huge percentage of people who aren't interacting with you and they could be taking up valuable space on your list. And if you use a system like me, where you are paying for a system that is based on the number of people that are in your database, then of course you're paying for them when they might not ever be a customer and might not be that interested. They might have wanted to download one thing and then never want to hear anything again. So I'm looking at this as a very positive thing that even though my database might reduce hugely overnight, the people who are going to say yes to my emails are going to want to hear from me and therefore the quality of my data is going to improve drastically overnight. I really hope that this episode has given you just a little bit of insight as to how you can possibly get ready for the changes we're going to have to make in our businesses in order for us to be compliant for GDPR. As I mentioned, I am no lawyer and can give no legal advice, but I just wanted to give you a little insight as to what I might be doing in my business in order to get ready for it. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast with Teresa Heath-Waring from TeresaHeathWaring.com.